We're starting a new, um, a new series this morning. It's going to take us through a few weeks. Um, and it, it's about hearing from God, how to hear from God. But we, we entitled it, Where Did You Hear That? Question mark. Because there's a, lot, there, there's a lot of really important things that you need to, you need to learn in your, in, your, in your journey with Jesus. But I'm telling you, one of the most important things you need to learn is how to hear from God. I want to read this from Max Licato. He wrote this in his book, A Gentle Thunder. He said, once there was a man. Once there was a man who dared God to speak. Burn the bush like you did for Moses. God, and I will follow. Collapse the walls like you did for Joshua, God, and I will fight. Still the waves like you did, for, did on Galilee, God, and I will listen. And so the man sat by a bush near a wall close to the sea and waited for God to speak. And God heard the man, so God answered. He sent fire, not for a bush, but for a church. He brought down a wall, not of brick, but of sand. He stilled the storm, not of the sea, but of a soul. And God waited for the man to respond. And he waited, and he waited, and waited. But because the man was looking at bushes, and not hearts, bricks, and not lives, seas, and not souls, he decided that God had done nothing. And finally he looked to God and asked, have you lost your power? And God looked at him and said, have you lost your hearing? This series may be one of the most important ones that we tackle this year for a number of reasons. First of all, the things that you hear are powerful. And the information that you ingest, so to speak, form decisions and actions that impact you and your family and the community around you. Thoughts are powerful and we take some of these thoughts and we meditate on them and we nurture them and, and even nurse them and they, they can become bigger. How many of you have ever had a thought and it's a thought and then pretty soon you meditate on it, you think about it, and then it's, it's, it's so much bigger than what you, what you first started out with. We come to conclusions, we make decisions, we make declarations, we take actions, we post stuff and we respond to things and we write emails and letters and all this based on information that we take. And we have these thoughts and this information that we've seen, that we've heard, that we've read and sometimes we can be trapped by those thoughts at times. You ever been a child and, and had someone you look up to, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a coach, and either give you a negative thought or a positive thought. You'll never amount to anything. And you know, as a child, that can just penetrate you. And then you fight with that, 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 that arrow that's been basically released into you. And then maybe it becomes performance anxiety or you just, you know, you realize or, or maybe you've been rejected and there's been words of rejection and so it ends up being kind of self-propagating where everything that you do, every relationship, every job, whatever, there's a rejection because there's been something that's been imprinted in you. Words make a difference. Words are, and thoughts. Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it speaks to the power of words that, become, that become thoughts with either positive or negative results. And just as God, 
desires to speak to you and to transform your thoughts and your thinking, the enemy wants to do the same. So does the devil. The devil uses partial truths, uses fake news. He will employ shame, your past, your insecurity to form thoughts that become entrenched in your identity and you begin to own that identity. You begin to walk that identity out. But God's Word reminds us that there's a new way of thinking. Come on, somebody. There's a different way of thinking. I love Pastor Brian Jennings from Breakthrough Church. He ministered in our church uh, uh, this last year. And, and, uh, and, and he said, listen, you got to change your BS. And I'm listening, I'm like, whoa, that's really edgy. And he said, belief system. I'm like, okay, I can own that. you got to change your BS. you got to change your belief system. Because God wants to change it. Amen? He wants to transform it. See, in Isaiah 55, verses 8-9, through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For even as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And the world and the culture that we're living in requires a different level of thinking, of perceiving, and discernment. It requires us, if we're going to walk through this life and navigate the challenges, that we actually think in a supernatural way. you got, you got to start thinking more divine things. Okay, it takes a different level if you're contending with the devil. You've got to think differently. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul writes, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. How many of you love everybody else's opinion? How many of you realize everybody's got an opinion? Some people got more opinions than others. Some people keep their opinions to themselves and some people have no fear of sharing their opinion. Right? Some people get paid a lot to share their opinions. I wish I could be like... I watch these guys on... Uh, um, like some of these sports shows and they're talking about like the Oklahoma Sooners and you know and all this other stuff or whatever and they that you know they're arguing back and forth and they're opinion and I'm like these guys are making a lot of money to just actually share their opinions isn't that crazy isn't that crazy how in our culture today people get paid big money to argue right some of you are arguing not getting paid for it so quit arguing that ain't worth it <laughs> not worth it. Even if you're getting paid for it, don't be argumentative. Amen? Actually, one of the requirements of a leadership in 1 Timothy 3 is, is, is you know, when they talk about an elder or even a deacon in Titus, they talk about not given, not self-willed or quarrelsome. I mean, that's a character right there where it's like, are, are you a quarrelsome person? That's not a character that God basically says is, is godly. I don't know about you, but man, I'm telling you what, the Word of God sometimes just like, oh man, Lord, I was doing this and you showed me this and I've got to change. How many of you love to change? There's a lot of people. Come on, there's a couple of you that are honest. There's a lot of people know. Uh, you know, the Word says, I'm the Lord and I change it not. But me, I'm not the Lord, so I ain't going to change. See, there's a war on your thought life both in the natural and the spiritual. I did some research on fake news. That's a term that's been kind of thrown around in the last four or five years. Before the last four or five years, I never really heard that much. 
but it's getting a lot of traction. And so I did a little research on it. 86% of Americans admit to falling into the trap of fake news. 20% believe that they encounter fake news once a week. 67% of adults, 18 through 27, if you're an adult here and you're 18 through 27, wave at me. 18 through 27 believe that fake news is hazardous to society. I mean, good on you. Because actually, if, if I'm honest, the, the, the metrics of people that are 60 and older, older, they believe it affects society. But they don't believe it's hazardous. Social media posts that share fake news receive six times the interaction. Where did you hear that? Where did you hear that? That's the, that's the, the title of our series. Where did you hear that? Because it's so important. Where are we hearing stuff? Are we hearing from God? The AP News Network has a running column called Not Fake News, and it's basically which is designed to correct misinformation. Forbes publication says misinformation is here to stay. Three quarters of Americans, man, this is crazy, 75% of Americans are overconfident in their ability to distinguish between the truth and fake news. Overconfident. And the higher the confidence they have, they found, the more that they're apt to share it. Right? Because we like to share stuff. Hey, I heard something. Did you hear that? I heard something. What'd you hear? Well, come over here, I'll tell you what I heard. As long as you don't tell anybody else. Like, yeah, right. That's exactly how the enemy works. So there's a, um, the Babylon Bee is a, is a Christian um, satire, satire publication, tongue-in-cheek, and they advertise fake news you can trust. They actually, they actually put up a, an article uh, a while back, and it, and, it, and it read this. It said, in a landmark uh, meeting, the NFL just removed all clo- coaches and players and fans who have ever said a bad word, and only Tim Tebow remains. See, the fake news definition, I did, I looked it up. Okay, fake news, what's the definition? The, de- the definition is falsehood. It's falsehood. It's a lie. Father of lies. John eight forty four. Jesus said this, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there was no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Where did you hear that? you got to realize we are inundated, and, and, and our culture, I, I, was, I was up on a mountain um, yesterday morning, and I was watching, you know, just, just kind of looking down over, over Newport and the surrounding area, and it was absolutely beautiful, but there was this like, kind of canopy of fog just over everything. And, and the thought struck me as I said, Lord, and knowing how divisive things have gotten even in our little community, I said, Lord, that is such a picture of the enemy's strategy right there. Permeates everything. That's like sin. You know, just affects everything. So, here's the good news. 
God wants to change your mind. Come on, somebody ought to get way more excited than that. Oh, I don't want my mind changed. I'm pretty good with my mind. No, you're not. Your mind is not good if it's not been transformed. If your mind hasn't been transformed, it's carnal, it's earthly, it's been impacted by the enemy, by the strategy, by spiritual uh, devices, and you've got an opponent that's always trying to mess with your head. Mess with your thinking. But God wants to transform your thought life. He wants to and get you thinking on a next level way. You've got to think above what we are doing on a natural level and make sure that it's on a supernatural level. Why do I say that, Pastor? Why do you say that? Because Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. And you might think this is really hard because I live on earth. But can I just say this? You're actually, if you're a believer in Christ, you are a dual citizen. You know, you're here, and actually you're here temporarily, but your residence and your address is in heaven. And so, you know, in in 1 Corinthians, uh, we, we have to understand that if we believe and trust in Jesus, we're seated with Him in heavenly places. And where the filter is much different. I have a much, much different vision and filter than what you are because I'm, I'm up here. I can, I can actually see down there. You see what I'm saying? No matter where you are positionally, it changes your view. And the Bible says that we've been seated with Him in heavenly places. And, and, and I don't believe God would say, listen, uh, you, you need to th- you know, he'd set your mind on things above if it wasn't possible. It's possible to do. It is possible, and you find if you want that peace and that joy, and you want to kind of walk out of that anxiety and that fear and that addiction and that bondage and, and all the stuff that you're walking in, you've got to think differently. That stuff is not going to change a lot on this level, but how you perceive it is going to change. And how you activate and what kind of decisions and what kind of responses that you have towards this kind of thing is going to change by having the mind of Christ. And because of that, we represent a kingdom not made with human hands. 1 Corinthians 2.16 Paul writes, but who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct Him, but we have the mind of Christ. Come on, listen, I, I mean, it might be that somebody says, you are out of your mind. I'm out of my mind when my mind is thinking on heavenly things. According to the, the natural thinking, right? And we represent, represent, represent. That means that if I have the mind of Christ, I'm seated with Him in heavenly places, that my thoughts and my decisions, I, I actually can take into captivity some things and I can start thinking differently. And there's a divine empowerment and equipping of the Lord that will help me, uh, will help me to think in a different way. And, and what it does is it translates in my actions and my decisions, my desires and my passions. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what good and acceptable and perfect. So how does God change our mind? Come on, don't we? Like, like okay, y'all married people? Married people here? Has there been times, honestly, where you kind of wish you could change your spouse's mind? 
<laughs> I wish I could change your mind. What's for dinner, honey? Chili. I wish I could change your mind. Now, think about this. God wants to change your mind. And, and first of all, settle it. You've got to settle this. You've got to come into agreement with this that God wants to speak to you so that your mind might be changed. Hearing from God to some believers is almost like a second nature. They've been mentored well. They've been coached well. And honestly, it requires that. Just because you show up with a basketball in your hand doesn't make you a basketball player. I mean, just because you like bought the newest Air Jordans, just because you like, you know, kind of walk on the court. Stephen? I remember, I remember one time, can I have my Bible right there? I remember one time I was playing down in Portland, down at Mount Scott Community Center, and I walked down there, and I, I don't know, I think I had a, I, you know, I had the right clothes on or something. Now, I love basketball. I was a basketball player, and I coached basketball later, but I remember walking down there, and I just walked into this big old community gym center, and one of the guys goes, ah, did you play for Kentucky? And I'm like, in my mind, I went, no, but I wanted to tell him yes so bad. <laughs> yeah. Listen, there's some fundamentals to hearing from God. There's some believers that attempt to hear from God and have no guardrails and no fundamentals. They're not discerning what, their, what are their thoughts, God thoughts, or the devil thoughts, and they end up, sometimes you end up with like a wingnut ministry. Seriously, the church doesn't need a bunch of wingnuts. I mean, we need people that are balanced in the world, balanced in the spirit. They, they, they walk and they represent the kingdom of God in a healthy way. I had a young man one time declare to me that God told him not to get a job. And right away, my mind goes to a couple different scriptures. Okay? Second Thessalonians 3, 10-12. Paul writes, For even when we were with you, we would not give you this command. We would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some of you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. If you're not busy at work, you're probably a busy buddy. That's what actually he was saying. How many of you love busy bodies? I like bodies that are busy, but I don't like busy bodies. Here, let me break that down to you in the Greek. Now I'm just messing with you. Now such persons, we command and encourage in the Lord to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Okay, well, the second one is Proverbs 12, 24. It says, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. So you, this, this particular young man a number of years ago felt like the Lord spoke to that, but it's like, you know, God will not, God will not basically defile His Word. He will not go against the, the template, the plumb line. So to get this out of the way, the primary way that God speaks to me is His written Word. It's the Bible. That's the primary way. Now that's not the only way. But God won't violate His written Word. And when I'm hearing from God, the Word is the measuring rod or the template. However, God will speak to us in different ways. 
A.W. Tozer wrote, wrote this, I believe that much of our religious unbelief is due to a wrong conception and a wrong feeling for the Scripture of truth. A silent... Here's what he's saying. you got to hear this. A silent God suddenly began to speak in a book, and when the book was finished, lapsed back into silence again forever. Now we read the book as the record of what God said when He was for a brief time in a speaking mood. God has spoken through creation. God started by speaking creation into existence. God still speaks through a variety of things. We're going to talk about a few of those in this series. But it's always been the character of God to speak, to communicate, to be relational with mankind. And God does want to change our mind. He wants to change your mind. He wants to change my mind. Why? Because our carnal mind is not aligned or in agreement with the mind of God. Remember the earlier passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 8-9. through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So how does God change our mind? How does God change my mind? First of all, His Word. The Bible says that the Word of God is active, it's sharp, it's inspired, it's God-breathed. His Word formed all of creation, spoke, and light and darkness were separated. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. See, this is communication that's established by the very breath of God. I don't think we, we get the magnitude of that. The very breath that took a man formed by dirt and breathed life into him. The same breath the disciples received from Jesus after he, Jesus transported through a locked door and it is the breath that created Scripture. It's so important. It's of supernatural and divine order. And unfortunately... There's a lot of believers with dust on the good book. We need to start, Adrian Rogers wrote this, we need to stop reading the Bible like a math book and start reading it like a love story. Because God wants to change you, He wants to wash you with the water of His Word. Pastor Brandon Cox posted this about what happens when you read the Bible four times a week. Four times. One time, they didn't see much difference. Not much testimony. Two times, started moving the needle. Three, a little bit more. But four times, something amazing happened. Four times a week. Here's what they found. Feelings of loneliness dropped by 30%. Anger issues dropped by 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped by 40%. Alcoholism drops by 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops by 60%. Viewing porn drops by 61%. Sharing your faith jumps by 200%. Discipling others jumps by 230%. Four times a week is what they found. Profound effect on believers because this is God-breathed. It's supernatural. It's, it's, it's for training. It's for righteousness. 
It's for, for changing your mind. It's reframing the way that you thought. There's something, when I open the Word, it's not just pages and ink. When I open the Word, I realize there's something supernatural here that God has actually been texting me. You ever have anybody that just texts you a lot? God's been texting you for a long time. But there's something that's God-breathed in this. And I don't think we, we get it. The second thing that God does to change your mind is prayer. Prayer is simply defined communication with God. It, it describes that. Communication shared is what forms opinions. It changes minds. It imparts information. And isn't it crazy that we're taught and called to communicate with God? That God says, I want to speak to you. I want to speak to you. I want you to hear what I have to say. Because you're in a world and a culture that is at war. And there's something about the Word of God being imparted to you. And you feeding and being released into a, a new way of thinking about yourself and a new way of thinking about what is God doing. You can pray for guidance. You can pray for compassion. I think there's a lot of people in our culture that need to pray for compassion. And empathy. Because you know what? We got impatience down pretty good. We got anger down pretty good. We got critical criticism type stuff down pretty good. Man, we need to be praying for some of the fruit of the Spirit coming into our, coming into our life. The process of prayer can also bring humility as, it, as we recognize our limitations and that we lift them up to a God without limits. God, I can't do this on my own. Would you please, can we talk about this? And then how about the Holy Spirit? See, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction of sin that sets you again on the right path. Will bring regeneration, new birth, new creature, fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, spiritual language, renewed mind, powerful living, courage. One of the most important relationships that you need is with the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent Him for you and I. And a lot of times we act like the Holy Spirit's, you know, crazy Uncle Larry that you hope doesn't show up for Christmas. Because we're not, our carnal natural self is really not that comfortable with supernatural things, but God's a supernatural God. They that worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. There's something about this that you've got to recognize. Jesus said, I'm, I'm sending you the helper. It's to your advantage that I go because I'm going to send you a powerhouse. I'm going to send you something that will absolutely help you, equip you, reform you, reframe you. And a lot of times we're like, well, I don't know about that. You know, and that, that guy over there, that, that, that Joel guy over there, like he's kind of like one of them spooky, prophetic Christian guys. I don't know how comfortable I am around him. You know why? Because you're hoping he doesn't read your mail. And that's not what he does. He kind of reads my mail sometimes. He came up to me after the first service. He said, Dad, whatever that's in your pocket, take it out. It looks like a can of chew. All right, okay, I'll take it out. Can I have our worship team come up?
Circumstances. God will use circumstances to change your mind. There's, there's people, you know, you hear their stories, well, this happened and I just knew God was, was trying to get my attention. How many of you had that experience in your life? Something happened and you knew God was trying to get your attention. We see it in the Bible. We see that Moses turned aside to see a bush that was burning and in that he found an encounter with God. Can you imagine that? Walking through a desert, minding your own business, tending sheep, and then boom, here's this bush and it's just it's a blaze. Like somebody's fireworks got away from him. But he knew something supernatural. So he goes over there and then God begins to speak to him. It took a supernatural thing, a circumstantial thing to get his attention. Or how about Jonah? Jonah didn't want to do what God called him to do and that was to go minister. Uh, And so he sent a whale. And then later he sent a vine. God will use circumstances. God got the attention of Saul. Of Tarsus. This is kind of interesting because Saul, before he became Paul, for maybe those of you that are new and don't know the story, he was an incredible persecutor of the church. I mean, he was like, you know, it talks about Saul was breathing, breathing murderous threats to the church and they were imprisoning people and persecuting people and all this kind of stuff. And we find out that Saul was actually, I mean, knew the word. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He'd done everything right. He's abiding by the law, but he still didn't know God. He had the, he had the head knowledge, but he didn't have the heart knowledge. And, and so he's on the road to Damascus and he sees this bright light and he hears this, this voice, the voice of Jesus saying, why do you persecute me? And God used that circumstance to change him. It changes. God moments are not new. The other thing that God does that struck me to change our minds is He puts you in community. He puts you the Bible says that God sets the solitary in the family. He puts you in a community and part of it is that so you get an opportunity for God to change you and shape you and influence you. You will grow in your faith more in community than you will in your little cabin on top of a hill by yourself. You know what will happen in your little cabin on top of a hill by yourself? You'll get all weird. Because you weren't created for that. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a time to go do that. There's a time to to go and to and, and to and to just you know take in the solitude and 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 hear from God. But I'm telling you what, you were created for community. You were created to be part of God's family. Mentors, leaders, and teachers are all part of the process. We know that, for example, we had a number of people here that raised their hands when I said, "Are there teachers and coaches here?" They raised their hands. You know why they're so important? Because you need a pathway to educate your children. Right? I mean, you need a pathway. You're not just like, well, hey, I got a new, I I got baby Joel back there and he's so cool and God loves him so much and I just, he's going to, he's going to get it. I don't have to do anything. He's going to, no. As a good parent, you realize I'm going to put him in a structure where he basically gets the education that he needs. Right? And that's what God does when He sets the solitary into family. 
I love, Pastor Joel, what you said this morning about outside of the resurrection and eternal life, this is the most amazing thing that God created when Jesus came back from the... I mean, He is building His church. This is so cool because uh, in a community, we help each other. We encourage each other. We build up each other. We edify each other. And like that is all happy clappy. That is so good stuff. But you know what? We also do, we offend each other. And then we get to forgive each other. We get to ask forgiveness and receive forgiveness. And, and just kind of, you know what? It'll help you deal with your junk. And there'll be people that you don't necessarily like very much. But God loves them. And maybe put them in your life to help you change your mind. To reshape you to do some different things in you there are going to be people that you struggle with but it gives you the opportunity to forgive or own so we're going to continue on with this series for the next few weeks but I want to leave you with this we are inundated with information we are inundated with a lot of misinformation and you have a noisy culture that you need to somehow navigate through. A culture that's screaming for your attention and has an agenda to shape the very thoughts in your mind. I've said this so much, I'm tired of me saying it, but I'm gonna say it in case there's one person that hasn't heard. Average person encounters 1,000 ads per day trying to shape you, trying to create a need in you, trying to influence you, trying to get you to buy something, sell something, smell something. Right? I mean, a thousand ads a day. That means there is this incredible culture that's fighting over the way that you think. That's got a war. There's a war and it's a supernatural thing along with a natural thing. And so you've got to set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things below. You've got to recognize the, the word says that you have the mind of Christ. It is possible for you. You need, to, you need to walk into this thing, maybe today even, in a new and a fresh way and say, you know what, I can think different. I, I, I'm, not going to know, I'm no longer going to be bound to those thoughts of anxiety, to those thoughts of depression, to those thoughts of you know, this self-worth that I struggle with. I mean, you can change because God wants to change it. Problems, people, politics, all screaming for your attention. God wants to speak to you. It's His nature. And it's His character. I'm going to read this this morning. Really impacting me, Isaiah 55, 10 through 12. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring, bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goes out from my mouth. Remember, it's divine, supernatural. It shall not return to me empty, but will accomplish that will I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Here's what I really want you to listen to. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Wow, just take that in. The mountains and the hills before you will break 
forth in his singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Listen, when we're led, when we're, when we're going out in joy and we're being led by peace, it actually affects everything around us, even creation. And I'm going to pray this morning. I'm going to pray for people who need to go out in joy and be led by peace. Because I think there's a lot of people in our community right now that they need some joy and they need some peace. And sometimes it's not the circumstances that change things. It's your vantage point that will change things. It's setting your mind upon things above and not on things below. It's realizing that, listen, young lady, you have a new perspective. You can see things that the natural, unbelieving mind can't see. Because that's what the Word of God says when we believe. There's been something. Your position has changed. Your seating has changed. So I'm going to pray just for a moment this morning. If you bow your heads and your hearts with me. God, I want to pray for people all over this room and maybe even online with us that you're struggling with your peace, man. Circumstances have basically just kind of done the crash job on your peace. And I want to pray for peace and I want to pray for joy. I want to pray that, God, you begin to reshape the way that we think if, if that resonates within you if you're saying man pastor i need some of that peace i could really use an outpouring of some joy right now i just want you to raise your hands I, I could use some of that right now hands going up all over the place in the name of jesus lord i thank you i'm reminded of when you saw the storm and the disciples were in the boat with fear and you just said peace 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 be still storm calm the waves help me to perceive things differently and I pray for the joy God we live in a culture that so many things are happening and it's a joy stealer but I pray God you are a joy bringer you are a joy breather and lastly with every head bowed please just for a moment or two if you're here this morning and you've never taken that step to surrender your life to Jesus. You see, you can know about Him, but the Bible says even the demons believe and they shudder. But I'm talking about taking the step to profess. See, I need that relationship with Jesus. I'm opening my heart and I'm declaring, I'm surrendering to Him as Lord and Savior. I've become today a follower. If you've never done that, but this is your day, please raise your hand. We do this stuff in community. Anyone here this morning, you're saying, today, Pastor, I want to give my heart to this Christ. I want to become a believer, a follower of Jesus.